I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Welcome to the 67th episode of the Weave Podcast. It's so exciting and gratifying for me and LaShawn that this podcast is getting over 20,000 downloads a month from weavers in over 20 countries. We're grateful to all of you for making space in your earbuds and studios and hearts to listen to the stories of the weavers, artists, farmers, dyers, mill owners, and makers that we're sharing on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Before we get started with this week's episode, I just wanted to share that we are looking for sponsors. Sponsoring podcast episodes is a great way to get exposure with a worldwide audience of weavers and to support our efforts in the process. If you're interested in learning more about the possibilities, you can send me an email at sarah at gistyarn.com. That's S-A-R-A-H at G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N.com. Or you can give me a call at 781-349-6465. And now on to the podcast. This week, I'm talking to Jacqueline James. Jacqueline is a weaver in the UK specializing in hand-dyed and hand-woven rugs. She combines traditional weaving techniques with contemporary design style and a bold use of color. Her work is in public and private collections in the UK and North America, and major commissions include weaving for Westminster Abbey, York Minster, and the British Library. Jacqueline, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to come to your podcast. Yeah. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way towards weaving? Okay, my name is Jacqueline James, and I am a rug weaver. I currently live in York, but I grew up in the United States on the West Coast in Washington State. And um, while I was going to school, I was fortunate enough to do a lot of um, classes in the art department in high school. And one of the classes that I did was weaving. I've always done arts and crafts all my life, ever since I was a small child. And I was fortunate that my parents um, and and friends and school and teachers and everything supported my interest and um, encouraged me to pursue this. So um, after I left um, high school, I traveled for a bit and I ended up in, in the UK where my family's from. And um, I went to college for three years to study um, rug weaving particularly well, to study weaving, but I actually specialized in rug weaving because my tutor was a, a rug weaver. He was my, uh, called Mike Halsey. He's passed away now, but um, he was instrumental, I suppose, in in uh, getting me onto the path of rug weaving because I think I was taking a general class. But as soon as I as soon as I discovered rug weaving, it captivated me, and I have enjoyed um, learning more about this as as time goes on. I take I take training I still do training and take courses still um to learn more about weaving and dyeing and um yeah so <laughs> um, that's wonderful mm -hmm. what was it about weaving and about rug weaving in particular that captivated you and that keeps you coming back all these years later so I believe that I I think that rug weaving to me is about making something that's that's both both decorative and functional so I really enjoy um, being able to to use color and pattern and texture um, in a design sort of way to also make something that becomes a functional piece of 
um, fabric that's suitable for the floor or the wall. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, I, I, I guess I specialize in it now, so I wouldn't diversify at this point after 30 years. Um, I just really love what, you know, what, I love how I can I can keep experimenting and exploring new techniques and new design ideas and um, yeah it's just it it just is a perfect vehicle for my visual interpretation I would say. And what was your path after learning in university? Did you know that you wanted to go right into working as a studio artist? Or yes, I did. As I did, I I didn't actually go to university. I went to higher education to study okay. weaving, but I, I it was very intensive because I I chose to do it that way. Um, so um, I. Yeah. Can you ask me that question again? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I misspoke there. Um, what, what, was it your intention right after that to yes. go directly into full-time studio weaving and how did you make that transition? So what, yes, I, I definitely, um, I definitely wanted to pursue weaving as a, as a self-employment. And so for one year after I left college, I studied business management and then I, um, I embarked on becoming self-employed and um, so I, I just, I, you know, I try to get commissions and um, I sometimes teach workshops and I sometimes show my work in galleries. Um, so, yeah. It's... What was that path like? Were you able to reach so, like full-time self-employment income right away? Or? Well, <laughs> it's always been tricky because mm. um, at this point, I'm just now starting to study marketing again, and um, I realized that it, it, I, I was doing too much weaving and marketing for most of my career. And so now I am working with um, the Design Trust, which is based in London, and I've been, you know, doing some training and some, um, I've, I'm a part of their business club and um, I follow a program every year that helps me kind of structure my my marketing instead of just trying to do it, you know, it, I, I think it's a really quite specialist thing, marketing, but it's also very important um, in order to sustain your business and grow your business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of looms and what kind of materials do you like to work with? So I have a large Glimacra floor loom um, with a Collingwood shaft switching device attached to it. Um, and so I use that sometimes, not all the time. Can you explain what that is to people? The Collingwood shaft switching. The Collingwood yeah. shaft switching device was um, invented by Peter Collingwood, who has sadly passed away now. But he was um, a very um, incredible, inventive person who wrote the definitive book about rug weaving, the techniques of rug weaving. And he also um, explored lots of other weaving techniques as, as well as rug weaving. Um, and um, he invented this method of being able to change the threading on the shafts without, <laughs> just by this, by flipping a switch. Hmm. Um, so just by weaving on four shafts, you can do a double weave that will create, will have a um, 
like a shaft switch um, pat. You can make a pattern with it on a grid, and it sort of just frees up the the you know the way that you can you can design on a on a rug. Really, it's just it's really incredible, and I'm very grateful that he was so generous to pass this information on to me. Hmm. And what kind of yarn and materials do you use? So I use linen warp, and I get that from Belgium. And it's very nice and smooth and strong. Um, and I use, for my weft, I use either cotton um, or wool, rug wool specifically, or double knit cotton yarn from America. <laughs> and... Um, so it depends on what I'm doing or what if I'm dyeing the yarn first before for my project. Um, generally, I've been using commercially dyed rug wool, and um, I've just started dyeing dyeing rug wool myself now. So it's kind of mm. opened a whole new door for me, really. I'm interested in the cottons, which I mm-hmm. am less familiar with as using in in rugs. Yeah. What kind of cotton do you use, and how did you settle on that? And so, what I was looking for was, um, I was looking for it for a for a cotton that was thick enough to be almost equivalent to the rug wool. So I looked around in this country. I wasn't able to find any at the time. This was sort of about twenty years ago when I started um, exploring different materials for my weft. And um, so I, I came upon, it was Crystal Palace at the time in, in the United States. I think they were based in California. And um, they um, they were selling some, some double-knit cotton, and that's what I get. And now I get, um, I get it... Um, American cotton from over here too. <laughs> like I buy it over here, but I can. It's from mm-hmm. the United States, going over there. So it's it's just double knit. So it's it's quite. It's not really thick, but it's it's thicker than what most people we've caught we've caught. Mm. And then are you doing, you're doing a lot of your own dyeing, right? Can you talk about that process yep. and how you got into that? Yep. Okay. So the, the reason that I got into dyeing in the first place was I did do some dyeing at, at uh, college, but um, I sort of put that aside because I, I thought I'd just focus on doing the weaving and I could get enough colors. But um, in 1997, I was awarded a Theo Mormon Trust bursary award for weavers and I requested to experiment with some cotton yarn at that time and so they provided me with some of that and some time to to make some things and um, I discovered that the cotton was very limited in its color range there was where I can get very lots and lots of shades of of rug wool in this country um you know, it's it's we've got carpet industries over here, so I buy like the mill ends of that, which is it sounds like a <laughs> mill end smells like a small thing, but they're they're in huge cones. Sure. Yeah. And um, but I could get pretty much any color I wanted. So when I started working with cotton, it was very limited, and um, so I I started thinking about well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to learn how to dye these these colors that I want. So I went to a couple of convergence conferences and I worked with the wonderful Mary Zikafus who taught me the process of weft ikat hmm. at the time. 
Um, this was um, in the early 2000s to 2007 was the last time I worked with her. And um, anyway, I learned lots of lots of wonderful things. I've adapted the, the technique now. I, I did do with DCAT for quite a long time. And then I, I um, sort of developed a way of being able to apply the dye by diluting it into different um, strengths um, across sort of a skein of weft. So I have to know what my width of weaving is first before I design my yarn. Um, and then I have to dye a lot of hanks that go together. And um, yeah, it's just... Um... So so yeah, I've, been, I've just started dyeing wool. So that's another departure. That was just last summer I started dyeing my wool and I started dip dyeing it. Um, and so that's a different technique than the cotton, but, um, I'm really enjoying having the freedom to use the dye pot now to create my own colors. Yeah. So I was really curious about whether you were doing weft ecap. Your, your rugs have a, a really striking use of color and we're going to have some photos of them on the show notes to this episode. So people can go take a look if they're not familiar with your work. And you have, um, in many of them, color gradations across the weft. And I was curious if that is all within the way that you dye it or if you're mm -hmm. gradating different colors through there or if it varies yep, depending on the Yep, it's all in the, in the process of dyeing. So wow. in the wool, I dye, I dip dye um, yarn. Sometimes I over dye several times to get the color I want. Um, and then the, um, yes, yeah, it's... it's it's kind of like having an, having <clears throat> having enough experience about the use of color that is helpful to me after all the, this time. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, the the wool I dip dye in in um, you know it's acid dye, and I I use I do that it with heat on over my stove in, in hot water, and then the cotton I will um, I will grade that across by putting a putting a skein of yarn in um, some saran wrap and then applying dye in different dilutions across and different colors across and blending them. And then I uh, roll that up into a package and I cure that for uh, like a day and then I'll rinse the cotton out. Um, but the wool is immediate, so that's really fun. But the hmm. cotton is always um, an unknown um, quantity, but now I've, I'm get with my experience, I'm able to to have a lot more control. Hmm. But I have so to do sounds... a lot of experiments. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So it sounds like you you plan out your rugs and your dimensions in advance, and you're dying for specific yes. projects. Is that right? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. Sometimes the die the die takes over, and I have to adapt my my ideas a little bit. But generally, I do have to plan out what I'm doing. Um, Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So early on in your career, you had the opportunity to create several important textile commissions in really major cathedrals in the UK, and um, including the York Minster and the Westminster Abbey and the Blackburn Cathedral, which is really exciting. And I'm wondering if you could talk about your path towards getting those commissions and what was the process of weaving those pieces and seeing them hung in those places. Wow. That was a, it was a tremendous honor to be asked to weave for these places of worship. Um, 
And it started by being recommended by one of my tutors from college. Um, she recommended me for um, an ecclesiastical commission at York Minster. And, um, you know, I had absolutely no idea what, <laughs> what to do with a commission of that importance. But I, I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. Um, and so I went about doing it sort of with complete naivety and it, it was successful. And it so happened that the verger from York Minster, who was um, who I was sort of liaising with, he then went to work at Westminster Abbey. And so then he, he requested that I, I did actually make a couple of um, altar frontals at Westminster Abbey. Um, and so that led to that. And then, ha and then having that kind of recognition, um, then other places um, approached me. So not very many weavers do commissions in churches and cathedrals over here. It's mostly stitched embroidery or stitched tapestry. So um, it was a it was a real um, like I said it was a real honor and, and a privilege to to create work for these places and um, always my my theme is um, light out of darkness. Hmm. Where does that where does that theme come from? It's just a feeling that I want. It's like a universal message that when somebody is looking at my altar frontals, they are they're they usually have like a graded um, design. So there's usually light and then sort of darker colors at the edges. That's my general kind of theme in those places. And it's just I don't know. It's just a it's just a joy. It's like a, <laughs> I want to be um, have a message that is is universal and um, and contemplative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you do both custom commission work and um, I think work that's not commission based. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Is the process pretty similar for those, or do you? I'm I'm curious to hear more about that. Well, um, I'm just working on a private commission just now. And when I make work for myself, it's usually to express something that I've got. You know, I've always got lots of ideas, especially when I start making something else. I've got a new idea. So I generally make those for exhibitions or um, shows. I'm, you know, making a small collection for a show coming up. But the... Um, the commission is is really interesting process because um, it's a, it's a bit of a specialist skill I believe that is you know and is joined with with what I'm doing, and so um, I work I work in collaboration with my clients and I like them to give me as much information as possible as to what they would like and and often they they do have quite strong ideas, um, and so it. I really like it because it it takes me to a, a design place and color way that I wouldn't I wouldn't normally encounter. So um, yeah, it's really it's I really enjoy it. It's it's very fun. I love color matching, um, and I love you know ma matching the style of something. Um, I'm 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 trying at the moment to get get into contact with more interior designers so 
work with them as they, you know, they find the client and then I will just work with the interior designer instead of directly with the client. Mm. Um, that's what I'd like to do more. But that I really, um, I like that sort of work very much. Hmm. Do you um, work on multiple projects at one time? Or I do. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like many of us leaders. Yes, I do. I, I'm, I design, I'm designing something, I'm finishing something, I'm writing something, I'm reading something, I'm um, applying for a grant. I'm, yes, I've just, I've got lots and lots of different projects on at the same yes. time <laughs> to juggle. Yes, <laughs> Where do you find that your color and your design inspiration comes from? And has that shifted over the course of your career? Well, when I think about it, um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. And I believe that I'm very influenced by the by my mind's eye <laughs> from mm. the, the beautiful scenery that I that I enjoyed when I was there. Um, and there's there's a lot of um, where I grew up on the west coast there's the sea and there's the mountains and there's the islands and there's the mist and there's I think that's where my my kind of I love blue I love the color blue so anybody who knows me knows that I have a, a real love of blue and I think that comes from from being over there and um I my 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 color my color and my patterns come I think mainly from nature and the world that I see around me, I love uh, architectural, you know, features as well. So it's not just natural things. I like man-made structures and patterns and repeat patterns and things. Um, I'm <clears throat> I'm always taking photographs of of things that inspire me, patterns and nature and patterns that you know just. Often people might think it might be quite a mundane what I'm photographing, but I I see something in it, and it, I might use it for inspiration. But it might just be that it's something I want to capture at the time and use in the future. Sure, yeah. You've you've shared a lot about what you love about this journey as a weaver and working with commission projects, and I'm curious. Um, if you could talk also about some of the moments have, that have been challenging, m maybe through the business side of it or the weaving side of it, and how you, you know, find yourself getting through those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the business side of it's always difficult because I, I think I, I, I didn't, I didn't spend enough time in the past on marketing. So it was, it, I sort of, you know, it's very, it's difficult to keep your profile high if you don't keep your marketing. So when I. When I first started out, I had a very high profile, and then it sort of gradually went away as I as I wove more and marketed less. And so, just in the last few years, I've been, been trying to market some more. So, I'm finding that um, really helpful. And um, the other challenging things that I have are sometimes I get I get very tight deadlines, and somebody wants me to make them something in in a you know half the time that it would normally take me and I usually say yes <laughs> but I just I don't know I'm fortunately my my life is my work so and my work is my life so I can I just you know it just kind of all goes into one big bundle and um I do manage to usually you know complete the the deadline but I I I every time I think I must be more realistic and just say that's you know take it more it's it's not very fun to be in a rush 
So I'd rather mm-hmm. not, Especially but sometimes the backbreaking <laughs> labor of weaving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, you can only do so much. And, um, but anyway, I, I get through those things and I think, yeah, the, 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 um, the ups and downs of it are, I don't, the, I have more, much more positive memories than I do negative memories. Um, <laughs> I guess that's how I get through it. It's always, um, you know, on to the next thing. And, um, yeah, I managed to get through, um, I've sometimes had to get like little part-time jobs just to get through financially, but I've always found that I would rather be committed to my weaving and have all the time that I want with that and less money. So, but I'm just, I'm trying now to, to, uh, grow my business and, um, Wonderful. Do you have any advice for people who are starting out on the path of wanting to work full time and support themselves as a textile artist or a weaver? Well, I would say um, um, absolutely um, follow your passion and persevere. And I would highly recommend studying business management for creative people um, just to give you some guidelines and some um, structure. For doing it because it's it's as it's as important I think as making and that's what I've become to learn is that my marketing advisor mentor Patricia Vandenacker from the Design Trust she always has a mantra that's forty percent making and forty percent marketing and ten percent admin and ten ten percent the rest <laughs> so it's not doesn't really you know when you think if you're cutting your you're making time in half it's um you know it's it's a good thing to do I wish I had done it earlier but I didn't mm, <laughs> but it's never too yeah. late <laughs> yeah. where speaking of marketing where can people go online and on social media to learn more about you and about your work okay so I've got a website handwovenrugs.co.uk and I've got I'm on Instagram I'm on Pinterest and I'm on LinkedIn and I've also got a profile on over here there's a really great um, directory called the Crafts Council Directory of Makers so that's a really a really nice place if people want to look up um, UK designers well Wonderful. English actually yeah and I will add links to all of those into the show notes of this episode so people Thank you. can find them and find you from there. Thank you. And do you you gave some advice on the business side of things, but just in general, I'm wondering if you have any closing advice or words of wisdom for weavers out there. Um, just, I can't, I, all I can think of is that we're just very fortunate to be in, in this community. <laughs> and um it's a you know it's it's to me it's it this is a lifestyle occupation and it's a it's just i love it (laughs) yes me too me too well Jacqueline thank you so much for taking the time to come on and to share your stories um yeah I really appreciate it thank you very much for inviting me it's nice to talk to you of course take care (laughs) thank you That's a wrap. 
If you aren't already familiar with Jacqueline's work, you really need to see it to get a sense of what she was describing, particularly in relation to her use of color. To see photos of her rugs and links to her website and social media, you can go to www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 67. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com slash episode 67. Next week on the podcast, Lashan is talking to Jane Hannon, a sustainable wool fiber farmer living in northern Wisconsin. Jane grows vegetables, greens, herbs, flowers, and fruits on a seven-year crop rotation and cultivates yarns as well as soaps and other handmade products that she fuses with wool fibers. Stay tuned next Monday for that conversation. And until next time, happy weaving. Happy weaving.